Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. With Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN 332-3776 is the telephone number hit me up on Snapchat SnapJHood, you follow me on Snapchat I follow you back guaranteed, also on Instagram IGJHood as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios On the program tonight, we will hear from Jesse Rogers with updates for us coming up at the bottoms of the hour at 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30, if applicable, as the Cubs take on the St. Louis Cardinals at Bush Stadium, the Cardinals. And so we'll have updates for you at the bottoms of the hour from Jesse. Uh, also, we'll have one question. You know, sometimes people don't have time for a full interview, but they do have time for one question. Have someone special for you coming up at 7.50. We do this every night. Also, summer of football, we celebrate the great game of football every night. 8 o'clock, it could be something fantasy. It could be something, uh, they score. No, that's just, uh, that's just firemen going by. No, there was a goal. Uh, it couldn't have been for the United States. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the summer of football, where we celebrate the great game of football. It could be fantasy. It could be something pro. It could be something college. Tonight, we get a chance to talk to Matt Fortuna, friend of the program from theathletic.com. He's got some interesting thoughts. If you are a college football fan, make sure they tune in an hour from now for summer of football because Matt's got some great things about programs we don't talk enough about, uh, like in particular NIU. If you are in DeKalb or know of someone that is a fan of the Huskies, make sure they listen. Same thing with Illinois, same thing with Northwestern and some of the other programs around the state. Uh, West Lafayette, I'm talking to you as well. Somebody that's a Purdue fan. 
Jeff Brom. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well coming up at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Also, Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. We'll provide a uh, Cubs postgame if time is warrants uh, with the Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. And, of course, let me check. Hold on a second. After all that, let me check. August 1st, that means it's a Thursday. And you know what Thursday means. That means it's throwback. Throwback Thursday. And boy, as we always say in this slot, every time, every Thursday, we got a good one. Because they're all good. This It's not, we're going to have fun with this. No, we have fun every night. But this one is always good. We'll tell you what it is coming up for Throwback Thursday. And I've got tickets. i got stuff to give away if you want to go. The tournament is taking place at Wintrust Arena in Chicago. The final matchup for the tournament. Basketball. Money on the line. If a team wins, they are able to win, I want to say $3 million uh, if they're able to win. So if you want to go, you want to see basketball in August, you got an opportunity to do that coming up uh, right here between now and 10 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Hope that you enjoyed your Thursday. Hope that you enjoy your Thursday night. We're with you until 10 o'clock. There's Dan Lebertard and Stu Gatz right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, Sean, let's start with football. Let's start off with the, with football because even though we have summer football in an hour, I, I am just anxious to see what the Bears are going to bring. Not preseason, not exhibition season, because I guess if we know Matt Nagy, don't look for Trubisky to be out there for all the preseason games. You remember that was last year's controversy, right? This time last year, you know, Full House said Soldier Field, where's the starters? I don't need them. And the conjecture from yours truly was, I guess the Bears won the Super Bowl last year or had a deep playoff run, so you don't have to run them out there. Well, Again, Nagy's going to do what he wants to do because the whole BU thing is something that he looks at and says, you know, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Because when you've been in the Arena League as a quarterback, when you've been a coordinator, when you've been under the auspices of uh, Andy Reid with Kansas City, now you get a chance to do it your way. I, I remember myself as a producer producing shows and and I would look and see the things I wouldn't do, the things I would do. And then when I get my own joint, Boom. After that, that was, what, a few years ago? After this 26-year career, not too bad. So, same thing with Matt Nagy, right? Matt Nagy, the same way, he's going to do things his way. I thought this piece on ESPN.com was very interesting, and the piece was written by Lewis Riddick, by Kevin Seifert, and by Field Yates. The piece is entitled NFL Future Power Rankings, Projections on All 32 Teams for the Next Three Years. Now, In the NFL, as you well know, lightning has to strike for you in order for you to win a championship unless you have sustained success like the Patriots. We have seen 12 different NFC champions over the last 14 years. So it's always moving. You just never know who it's going to be in the NFC. So you got to catch lightning in the bottle when you can, especially in the conference that we follow here with the Chicago Bears. So... When I read this piece where Lewis Riddick and Kevin Seifert and Field Yates, they were on this panel and they asked a panel of experts to rate each team's roster, non-quarterback, the quarterback, the draft, front office, and coaching using this scale, A, B, C, D, or F, right? 100 would be A, 90 would be, actually 100 would be A+, plus. A is 90, B, 80, C, 70, and go down the line, right? So they talked about all the top teams. Over the next three years, which team has the best chance to be able to win? 
strangely enough, they had the Colts number one. Didn't expect that when I saw this list. The overall score was 87-8. By the way, nobody got a 90. The highest was the Colts at 87-8, which is was not bad. It's kind of like somewhere between an A and a B. Then you scroll down. Of course, we could just put a pin in this, the Colts, because of Andrew Luck. I think many are desirous for Andrew Luck to do well. People want to see him be able to succeed. And so with Andrew Luck, he had a little bit of a setback, a little tweak of the ankle. Doesn't mean that he's out, but point is is that people are waiting to see the next step for Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. And then the Patriots are number sec- number two on this list. They're second. Makes sense, right? Third, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fourth in this list, the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes as the quarterback. We go to the Seattle Seahawks at number five. Number six in this list are the Steelers. Number seven, the Saints. Number eight, the Rams. Number nine, the Browns, which is, once once again, the Browns is based on people wanting the Browns to succeed and believing that Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. and Landry, Jarvis Landry, will all come together quickly, sooner than later. Again, that's a projection more so than reality, but many believe that because the weapons are there offensively and they're good enough defensively, because I'm looking at their rankings here. Overall roster is a six. Quarterback is a seven. I don't. I, I can't say um, Baker Mayfield's a seven out of all the quarterbacks. It's interesting. Coaching is 26 because we don't know who Freddie Kitchens is. The draft is number two. Front office is number six. But they have the Browns at number nine. So I'm looking for the Bears, right? Number 10 is the Chargers. And then we get to the Bears at number 11. Their overall score was an 80. Solid 80. Overall roster, minus the quarterback, getting Trubisky out of the way, second in the NFL, according to these writers here, those that did this column. Second, overall roster. A lot of that is covered by a strong defense. And then from there, the quarterback was a number 23. The coaching was a 7 in Matt Nagy. Number 10, uh, let's see, the draft was 10th, and the front office was 16. You realize that with this Bears team at number 11, that means that maybe there might be some slippage here where some believe that nine, nine wins will be the key number for the Bears this upcoming season. I said when we first looked at the schedule that the Bears would be 10 and six. I think 10 wins is fair. You're, you're 12 wins last year. You have a little bit of slippage and you go down to 10 and six. It still makes you a playoff team, but you got to make it. You got to start working hard. And the other key to the Bears season, I'll say this now, I'll say this in September, for any team, but especially the Bears, is health. We talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So when I looked at this list of all these teams, when I'm watching Bears football, I don't just put myself in the prism of, are the Bears going to win today? Are the Bears going to lose today? Yes or no. I look at the Bears maybe differently than most. I look at the Bears in the prism of everybody else in the NFC North. Like How good are the Bears versus other teams in the conference? Because that tells you the story. If the Patriots more times than not get it done in the AFC, well, who gets it done in the NFC? As I mentioned, it's so fluid in, the, in that conference, you just don't know who's going to win. I look at the NFC with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about the Cowboys in just a moment. But the Dallas Cowboys, and you see the Eagles, who I mentioned, top 10 team for sure. The Redskins are somewhere toward the bottom. In the NFC North, people are wondering about the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears, of course. And then the NFC, NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons. Got enough offense. Do you have enough defense? Do you have anything that can protect 
um, their quarterback and their offense. Um, Carolina, can they make a push? The Saints with a 40-year-old quarterback and, and Drew Brees, he's got his guy now back in place, Michael Thomas. And then with the NFC West, it's the Rams. It's almost like Bears West because of Sean McVay as a quarterback, as a, as a head coach, with a young quarterback in Jared Goff. And the Seahawks, you can never count out because of Russell Wilson. They are battle-tested. They won a championship before. So there are some teams there. But it's important for the Bears to strike now because the elixir, anything that you're questioning about this Bears team, is covered by Khalil Mack. We, we focus so much on what Trubisky is, what Trubisky is not. And I understand it's an offensive league. But when I looked at the NFL, and as I switched to another poll, another list, the NFL.com's top 100, you saw Khalil Mack there in the top five. Again, it's just a, a, it's just conjecture. It's just a poll. But you know that Khalil Mack's a top five player. It's a strong defense where you could consider one of the top defenses in the National Football League. Balance is something I want, but if I don't get it, I'm okay with it. As long as the Bears are able to uh, to uh, get better than they were last year, to propel bass past where they were last year. So I, I I look at these other teams, the NFC, and the Bears are very good, but there's other teams that the Bears have to be concerned with. Not about the schedule. It's about if you get to the postseason, are the Bears better than the Rams? Are the Bears better than the Seahawks? Are they better than Atlanta? Are they better than the Saints in a playoff situation? Are they better than the Vikings or Packers? Are they better than the Cowboys? Are they better than the Eagles? Going to find out. Going to find out. This season will tell you all you need to know. It's about growing, sure. But here's the difference between the NFL, say, five, ten years ago, and the NFL right now. Man, I I always talk about lightning in a bottle. you got to catch it, right? You don't know what tomorrow brings. If you don't win now, you may not win. (laughs) You may. I mean, who knows? There's a number of players, and I'm going to make this transition here between what the Bears have and the Cowboys. And I'll, I'll do the, I'll, I'll do it like this. There are a number of players in this NFL that see what the NBA players are doing, where they wake up in the morning and go, oh, what a beautiful day. I don't want to play for you anymore with a cup of coffee. And they call their agent and they go, I don't want to play here anymore. Melvin Gordon it's like, you know what? I just don't want to. You guys are not going to pay me. I need this money now up front because I don't know if one of my legs is going to get cut off playing football. I need to I need to go now. And so who knows if anybody on this Bears roster might wake up this in, in the morning and go, you know what? This isn't for me. I want to go someplace else for family, for finances, for, for whatever, because it is the era of player empowerment. I'm not reporting to you or telling you that Khalil Mack wants to leave or Mr. Bisky wants to leave or Tariq Cohen. But I'm just saying that in today's sports, if you have a team in place, win. Especially when you have a good team on paper. Because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> a player might just flip on you and say, you know, I, I don't want to be here anymore. It could happen. And again, I'm not predicting that there's going to be with the Bears, but you just never know. Now, making that transition, talking about... Um, a, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott with the Dallas Cowboys is in Cabo. He's working out in Cabo in Mexico, away from the Cowboys. He's not practicing with the team. And the question is why? Well, even though there's two more years left on Ezekiel Elliott's contract, Zeke says, I will need to be able to make more. 
He wants Todd Gurley money. What, what running back on this Bears team wouldn't want to have Todd Gurley money? Even in an era in the NFL where the running back is starting to be phased out. There's a number of running backs here that don't need to run between the tackles for a team to flourish. Jerry Jones said it himself. We talked about this the other night about looking at the running back position. Jerry Jones says you don't need an all pro. You don't need to have someone that's leading the, t- the league in rushing to win a Super Bowl. That is true. You want to have someone with flexibility, maybe like Tariq Cohen. We'll find out that's flexible enough to get that done. I'm wondering about that part of the as- that aspect of the, uh, the offense for the Bears. I'm wondering about Tariq Cohen. I'm wondering about Montgomery. I'm wondering how they'll be utilized in this offense because I think Mitch Trubisky needs as much help as possible as he continues to grow and learn in this offense. As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, so some thoughts here from Matt Nagy regarding Mitch Trubisky. Listen. We talked about um, really the second half in that Eagles game of just how everything was on time. It was in rhythm. That The word trust just kept popping up with all of his wide receivers. And I think, uh, you know, for losing that game, you have to look at the positives. That was the biggest positive was that his growth. And so – you know, making sure that we take that to the next level. And I think right now, you know, we're taking baby steps to it, but he's he's really close. And, again, we won't know until we get to week one. But I, I, I feel like this year you're going to see, you know, pretty good growth from him as the year goes on. He's doing well. He's not where we want him to be yet. He knows that. But um, I think right now the best part for us is just that we're getting a lot of different looks and um, we're moving people around in different spots. And we're just watching him grow. He's, he's way, he's leaps and bounds further than he was last year. Um, and now, you know, we know what he likes. And so we're just trying to put it into action. It's still not complete yet. It's about as honest as Nagy can be. It's still not right yet. And maybe is this the 06 Bears again? Is this a defense that can carry this team further into the playoffs and the offense just trailing behind? See, I don't like that in an offensive league. I don't like it. The reason why I don't like it is because if you're watching the NFL every single Sunday, every single Thursday in the playoffs, the NFL is tailored toward offense. Defensive players are getting flagged for just little light touches. And so if the offense has the upper hand based on how it's officiated, you got to be able to take advantage of that. Trubisky's got to be able to take advantage of that. I would, I would love to tell you that Nagy's just giving you the wink and the nod making and trying to sandbag us saying, you know, Trubisky's not really that good. He's still trying to work on some things. But I really believe him. I really believe when he says that, you know, Mitch still has some things to learn. We have some reports out there from those that have been covering the team that says Trubisky's still running with the football uh, in practice. Dude, if you can't connect to the second and third option offensively, uh, that's a problem. I will tell you. If I watch this season and I see no progress in Trubisky, um, we're going to have a problem here because that might be the difference between you grabbing Vince Lombardi's trophy and not. I think about those things. doesn't mean that they will. It doesn't mean that the Bears are going to fail. What I'm saying is, is that those are the things you think about. Like how much can Mitch get better as a quarterback with this football team? The defense is strong. And, and I don't, I'm not, not going to believe that the defense will take a step back just because people believe they'll take a step back with a new uh, defensive coordinator. Don't believe that because I think the talent will speak for itself. 
But offensively, it's got to get better. Now, speaking of the defense, Chuck Pagano, the defensive coordinator for the Bears, gave his early impressions of the defense. We're doing some really good things. Uh, I love their uh, competitive nature. Uh, they're putting the time uh, time in. They're coming out. And they're working extremely hard every single day. You start to see the chemistry uh, coming together. Communication's been good. They're making some plays. Um, we've got a long way to go. We've got some things to clean up, but the football, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, their love for football, uh, their work ethic, all that stuff. Staff's done a great job with them. They're working really hard. The football IQ is off the charts uh, in the room. Obviously, uh, Coach Fangio uh, did a great job of, of building that. Um, they built one heck of a roster, and again, they put together a group of men, and we've got depth at all three positions, all three levels. Um, they love ball, but they're smart. And so coming in, it's, it's been easy uh, to implement and, and put the scheme together, and we've thrown a lot at them and, and a lot sticking, so that's a good thing. They love ball. <laughs> there it is. Does that not sm- put that in the poll at ESPN 1000? Is it? Does that smell like training camp when when Pagano says they love ball? Yes or no? Does that not feel like training camp <laughs> when he says they love ball? Yeah, yeah, you can just tell. But again, check out that column if you get a chance, guys, uh, at ESPN.com regarding the NFL future power rankings. And again, it's just. Just some thoughts from Phil Yates and Kevin Seifert and Lewis Riddick regarding this and having the Bears 11th. So that means that from their standpoint, in the next three years, the Colts, the Patriots, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Saints, the Rams, the Browns, and the Chargers are better than the Bears in the next three years. So just think about those. And again, think about all the talent on some of those other teams and then look at the Bears. Bears are right there amongst them. But now what's the added ingredient? What do the Bears have to do to be able to get over to over the hump, getting to the next level, a deep run in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl? Well, the obvious thing that's a glaring red flashing light is uh, the special teams. You want to make sure that you have a kicker that you believe in. He's not going to be perfect, but have a kicker you believe in. But it doesn't matter if you own a Trubisky jersey or not. It doesn't matter because that's just laundry. You want the genuine article to give you what you want. You want to have an offense that is representative of everyone else in the National Football League that's vying for the trophy. That's a serious contender. Not these, not teams at the bottom, not Arizona. I don't want that. Trubisky should be better, but how much better will he be? The offense should be better. How much better? The defense is ready, and the team should be ready to be able to get to the next level. Can they, though? It's a big question on the table. Uh, some thoughts now from Albert Breer. He was on with Cap and Company. He works with the NFL Network, Albert Breer. And he, he talks about where he stands where, with Trubisky right now. I'd actually say that I'm right in the middle. <laughs> you know, so you want to be in the middle. I'm there. Um, I, I, I'm still sort of in wait and see mode. I mean, I, 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 I think we've seen this quarterback before. And, you know, there's this category of guys where, you know, the feeling is you've got to be really good around him to win with them. And, um, you know, that was Andy Dalton for a while. I think Kirk Cousins is sort of, a lot of people feel like he's that guy now. Um, I think he can probably be a little better than that. But, um, you know, Mitch proved last year that you can win with him if a lot of things are right around him. Um, and so the question now becomes if he can take the next step. Um, and, you know, obviously there's some pressure to the whole thing for everybody in the building because they passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson to draft him. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where this whole thing goes next because um, 
you know, when I I talked with Matt about this a bunch over the last year, um, you know, when he was in Kansas City, it took him about two and a half years to get Alex Smith to the point where it took them as a group, you know, him and Doug Peterson for, 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 for a couple of years there. And then, um, and then Andy, um, it got them about, it took them about two and a half years to get him to the point where they felt like the whole offense was built around him and everything was seamless. And so, you know, they're in the middle of that process now. And, uh, you know, I think that they, they, they expect Mitch to take a little more control um, with protections and that sort of stuff this year um, and take another step. Uh, you know, I, I think, again, like one of the problems for Mitch is who he's being compared against. I think it's the jury still out to some degree on Deshaun Watson, but um, when the bar is Patrick Mahomes, that's, that's, that's pretty tough. Some thoughts there from Albert Breer. That didn't sound like a ringing endorsement for Mitch Trubisky. I, I heard a lot. I heard When I heard Andy Dalton, that, that dinged my brain. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Get to the playoffs and fall short. He's never been able to really reach his full potential as a quarterback with Cincinnati. If he's that, that's, you know, if he's that and you can win with that, that's great. But having that and you can't win with it and you underachieve with that, that's not a good thing for anybody. Absolutely not. Catch lightning in a bottle. That's what it's all about with this uh, Chicago Bears team. Coming up next, so Melvin Gordon wants to be traded and Zeke Elliott is holding out. So I will tell you the real power in the National Football League, and that's coming up next. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. Hey, yo, Jay Hood. Talk that barbershop talk, dude. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's the Cubs and the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. Here's Jesse Rogers with more. Jess? All right, Jay Hood. Cubs trail 2-0 as we go to the fifth inning. They have yet to record a hit off of Jack Flaherty, who's been really good so far. But, of course, uh, these days on the road, every pitcher's been good against the Cubs. Their offense has dried up here. Again, 2-0 in the fifth. Uh, Nicholas Castellano's first game as a Cub has been okay in the sense that he's seen 16 pitches. He drew a first-inning walk, and then he struck out his next tight up, but it was on nine pitches. So the Cubs couldn't take advantage of tiring Flaherty out at all because uh, Chris Bryant struck out on the next three pitches and Rizzo grounded out on the very next pitch. So nine to strike out Castellanos, four to get out Bryant and then Rizzo, and uh, the Cubs just not doing anything on offense. Meanwhile, the Cards scored in the first inning, Jose Martinez with an RBI single. Then a tough call here in the bottom of the fourth. First and third, two outs, the number eight hitter Colton Wong up, and uh, Lester pitches to him instead of maybe walking him to load the bases for the pitcher. Wong singles home the second run for the Cards, and a 2-0 lead seems like uh, almost insurmountable these days, the way the Cubs are hitting. We'll see what happens here in the fifth. No hits for them as they trail 2-0. Back to you. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Man, Keenan Allen right to left, hands off to Gordon, works the right side of that line. He's got a lane outside the numbers. 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Flash Gordon. 28 yards. For number 28. Melvin Gordon wants out. We're talking about it right here on ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. Jonathan Hood with you. 
Don't forget, we've got tickets to give away as well to the basketball tournament. The, tur- the tournament finals will take place on Tuesday, August 6th at Wintrust Arena. Teams have a shot to win $2 million in the single elimination tournament. For more information and tickets, go to the tournament.com, the tournament.com. We've got uh, one question coming up at 7.50 and the summer of football. We talk college football with Matt Fortuna from theathletic.com coming up at the top of the hour. If you're an area college football fan, stay by your listening advice at the top of the hour. Matt's got some great stuff on the upcoming college football season that will take place in a couple weeks right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood with you. Um, so so you just heard the highlight there, Melvin Gordon. He, his agent told ESPN's Josina Anderson that he requested last week that the L.A. Chargers trade the running back after the team remained at its initial offer of approximately $10 million per season. Uh, Demarius Bilbo told Anderson that Chargers general manager Tom Telesco told him that the Pro Bowl running back is still viewed as family and that Bilbo was not given permission to seek trade partners. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about where the power lies in the NFL. The power lies in the NFL on players that want to hold out. That's all they have. If a player feels like he's underpaid, because you know how it is, right? You see someone that is making top dollar. I'll give you Michael Thomas, for instance, right? Michael Thomas just got paid five years, $100 million by the New Orleans Saints. Well, the power lies in the hands of Thomas saying, you know what? I will hold out until you guys pay me because I'm one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. And Julio Jones says, hold my beer. Right. So, I mean, there's a number of wide receivers be like, okay, so if that guy's making a hundred million dollars over five years, what should I be making for this offense? And so this is how that works. This is the only power that the players have is to say, I'm going to hold out. Roquan Smith held out for the Chicago bears last year. It's like, when is Roquan going to be in camp? He held out because that's all the the players have. That's all they have. They can demand a trade, which we've seen a couple times with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where you had uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell wanting out of Pittsburgh. It happens, right? But I'm sure, I'm sure NFL players look at the NBA and they go, man, NBA players can get away with murder in that if an NBA player says, you know, I just don't want to play for you today. I don't think I want to play for this team. I'm just going to leave. Paul George is the latest example of this. Paul George was firmly entrenched, I thought, with Oklahoma City. I think we all thought he was going to be with the Thunder, right? Signs a new contract. Russell Westbrook brings Nas in from Hawaii, and they have a party, right? Russell Westbrook has this party, brings Nas in. They have this party to celebrate that that, uh, Westbrook and George are going to be together forever, right? And then after a year, Paul George's like, yeah, I'm going to leave. I want to be with Kawhi Leonard. How did that happen? The NBA player can sign a contract, and if the NBA player is not happy with the direction of the organization or the team, he can bounce. Now, me, old school hood here, tells you that you honor your contract. You just don't leave, right? But this is where players are. They don't want to feel like they're chained to an organization. That they, and again, somebody's going to tweet me at Tweet J Hood and talk about the money. Well, you're making millions of dollars to play and perform for a team. Keep in mind that you and I cannot be able to relate to that money. We don't relate to that money because you know why? Because they're entertainers and they're one. They're one percenters. 
They're one percenters. They do things on the field of play that you and I cannot do. So whatever their business is, that's their business. But if, 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 if those players are playing for your favorite team, you're like, man, I wish they would stay. But you just never know. Uh, Elliot is an interesting story with Dallas because Elliot is still in Cabo. He is chilling. He's kicking it. And he's just there. And he's, what, he, what he's pretty much saying is, I should be paid top dollar. He's been in the league for three years. He's got two more years in his contract, and he's holding out. And it's like, uh, you know, if you can't catch the football, maybe you're don't. Maybe you're. It's a dime a dozen when it comes to running backs. Maybe that's why Jordan Howard's not with the Bears, because Matt Nagy looked at the situation and said, you know, we're going to have someone that's a little bit more versatile at that spot. And Elliott is one of the best in his position, but he may not be in a couple years because it's a running back position. Just like the fullback was eliminated, the running back the same way. So keep in mind, the power lies in the hand of the player in the NBA, but in the, in the NFL, the power they have is, I'm going to hold out. Everybody can't do it, clearly, but some can. One other note before I go back to the Bears on the NFL, and that is with um, Tom Brady. Let's talk about him for a second. So I, I saw the press conference yesterday, right? When you see Tom Brady, put this on the poll at ESPN 1000. When you see Tom Brady, do you see a 40-whatever-year-old quarterback? Eric, I, I don't see f- someone 40. When I saw his press conference, he looked 28. Seriously. Whatever Tom Brady is doing in the offseason to make sure that his body's right, he's doing it and doing it well. I'll tell you that right now. Because he's forty, going to be 42 years old. You know, there was a time... Kids, listen now. This is this is something that you may not know. You know that there used to be three active quarterbacks on a roster on Sundays. <laughs> now, keep in mind, the third active quarterback would be quarterback slash kicker, emergency kicker or punter. And that guy would be 40-something years old and he would never see the field. They actually used to have the a three active quarterbacks because of how strong defenses were, especially the Bears. The Bears would knock out two of them, and you had to go to the third-string guy. The oldest quarterback that I saw before Brady and what we see with Drew Brees is the oldest ones I saw was Vinny Testaverde. And Vinny Testaverde was in his 40s, and he was on the couch. They'd always ask, hey, Vinny, what are you doing? I know you're colorblind, but can you help us out for a game or two with the Jets? And, and then, like, very few, though, right? But here's what's happening in the NFL. And you tell me whether or not it's good or bad. In the NFL, because the offensive players are penalized so often, and... <laughs> The offense pretty much has carte blanche doing what they want to do. If they can get a ball, get the ball down the field or get some kind of action where they're throwing it to a receiver, if that receiver can be able to initiate con- uh, contact, bam, you got a, a, a P.I., you're in position to score. This is how it's officiated. It's tailored toward the offense. So this is why, like the Roethlisbergers and the Bradys and the Brees, they can be around until they're 45. You, know, you'd be, you just make sure your offensive line is young and stout. And make sure you get the ball down the field. If they still have an arm, not like like Peyton Manning toward the end where he had nothing. But if you still have an arm to get down the field, man, you'd be around for a long time. There's no, the numbers will tell you last year there was slippage in Tom Brady. But then he won the championship. It's, It's just, it's amazing. Can Trubisky be at that level? 
to maybe just not be that good but still be able to win. There's been there's been stories like that in the NFL. I love to see that with uh, with Trubisky and the Bears as we talk about this on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Some thoughts from Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky does one thing well for sure. I know, and that's he loves self-deprecation looking at mistakes and then looking at areas that that i've, I've grown in and then um when we have a mistake on the field make sure i'm talking to my guys make sure we're fixing it uh, make sure that i'm doing my job my eyes my footwork are in the right place i'm going with the right spot with the ball and then just controlling what i can control and uh just improving it so just taking a lot of mo- uh, notes having that constant communication of, uh, with coach uh having uh what he wants me to do on the field and kind of just be an extension of him but yeah just continue to criticize myself and uh try to be a perfectionist but uh, but see the growth as well. So uh, just, it, it's practice. You're going to make mistakes. They're they're meant to be uh, made. But you got to come back uh, and, and correct them and get better each each day. By the way, this is a big what if, right? Big what if? What if with Melvin Gordon saying he wants out? What if Melvin Gordon is someone that other teams in the NFC North have to deal with? And I don't mean the Bears. Because the Bears apparently have solidified their running back spot with Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. Okay. What if Melvin Gordon goes to um, the Packers? No, don't say it. No. Here's Chris Mortensen. Even without them asking for a trade, the Chargers are open to trading Melvin Gordon, but they want control. They don't want the agent to go off calling teams, and so they're not going to grant that permission. They've offered him about $10 million a year. They think that's the market for him. They want him. This is a Super Bowl contending team, mm-hmm. and so you want him part of the mix. But, you know, their head coach, Anthony Lynn, is a former running back. He's a former running back coach. He understands you can go get running backs in this league. Now, he's special, but he's not Zeke Elliott type of special. This is not Le'Veon Bell's situation, by the way. He has a contract for over $5 million this year, so they have control. That's why they're not going to give him the permission uh, to, go, to, to go seek one. But uh, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets traded before the season starts, if, he, if this doesn't get If you resolved. had to guess at a trade partner, who might it be? Oh, listen, Damian Woody and I were just doing this in the green room, and we thought, well, you know, Green Bay is interesting because he's a Wisconsin guy, played high school ball there, played college ball there, and they might have a need. But we have no idea if Green Bay's interested, and we don't have any, any idea if the two sides have talked. And then you know, Buffalo's going to need a running back eventually. Buffalo. But no, uh, Tampa Bay will need one eventually. But no, right now, uh, he remains in control of the charges, but I would not be shocked if he got traded. Hell no, not Buffalo. Hell no. Don't do that. Lewis Riddick also talking about Melvin Gordon. He says he's got no leverage, my, my dude. he got no leverage. I mean, the leverage is not on his side. It was on Michael Thomas' side in New Orleans. It's not on Melvin Gordon's side right now. The timing is such that they feel as though they have other backs that right now can step right in and they can get a certain percentage of the production that Melvin would give them. Phillip can make up the rest. The wide receivers can make up the rest. The defense can make up the rest. Anthony Lynn can make up the rest as far as finding a replacement. So, therefore, now that you're under contract also, and they have you under contract, you have no leverage. So now it's, it's one of these situations where you're right. The team is going to control the whole situation. If they decide to trade him, they'll trade him to where they want to trade him. And unfortunately, the only thing, the only option he has is, again, we've said it how many times over the past couple of weeks, well, I can withhold my services. Well, if the team doesn't feel as though your services are such that they need to extend themselves, you're stuck. And that's where he's at, sitting at home, going, what's going to happen now? The power lies in the hand of the player if he wants to be traded or if he's going to hold out. It's hard for me to tell you, yeah, you know what, hold out. Because 
He has generational wealth. He just wants more generational wealth. You get that, right? What do the rich love more than anything else? They love to save money and actually make more money. <laughs> Those would mean to want to be able to make more, right? And in this situation, because these are the one percenters, they want to be able to make as much money as possible because they know tomorrow's not promised. One more hit and they're done. This is why the when I talked to Jiggets about this a few years, a few um, weeks ago, talking about the guaranteed money, man, the guaranteed money is everything. If they if you can get it, it's it's a great it's a great thing to have. Now everybody can get the guaranteed money up front. So I'm sure this is what um, Melvin Gordon is thinking about. I'm sure that's also what Ezekiel Elliott is thinking about as well. Think about the top running backs in an offensive league where it's vertical down the field. Think I want you to think about the top running backs. Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. Is Christian McCaffrey in there? Uh, yeah. Le'Veon Bell. And then Todd Gurley, if he's got good knees, of course, as a Georgia fan, I will tell you, I think I saw the best of Todd Gurley. You may not see the best of Todd Gurley like I saw every single Saturday. <laughs> because, because with those knees, I don't know if you'll see the best. I saw him every down in and down out at Georgia, and I know that he's special. Can he be as special that on the NFL level? I don't know. But understand the drop-off when it comes to running backs, right? I mentioned a, a number of them. Um. But think about Leonard Fournette. Is he in that mix? Melvin Gordon definitely is in that conversation because of how interchangeable he is. But there is a a vast drop-off when it comes to running back position. I don't know that they'll call it running back anymore. They'll just it'll be just some kind of other title, be athlete, something. It won't be called running back anymore. It will be on the here's the thing. The running back will always exist on the high school level and college level. Georgia couldn't exist without the running back. Just say it. Like you want Fromm to throw it down the field. I mean, that's that's it's hit or miss. But running the football is part and parcel to the college football game, and so it is for high school as well. But on the NFL level, if that guy can catch, man, he's a commodity for sure. So I I, I can't wait for the season because I have so many different things in front of me regarding the NFL. I can't wait for this because there's so many stories that will be answered early here in the season, Bears and otherwise. Wow, it's going to be fun. All right, coming up, we have for you one question. Some people don't have time for an entire conversation, but they do have time for at least one question. So we go through our Rolodex, we go through our phone, and we say, Let's see if we can find the A's, and find the B's, and the C's, D, uh, and we found the E's. And I said, let's call Emmett Smith. And, he, and we can, no, no, we don't have Emmett Smith's number. But, but we do have Emmett Golden's number, Emmett Golden from ESPN Cleveland, for one question next. Jonathan Hood. Because all we trying to do is do good. Put on my hood when I walk through hoods. On ESPN 1000. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? I am number one. Number one. Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. It is time for one question with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 of the ESPN app. We found my guy, Emmett Golden, from ESPN Cleveland, our sister station, and he joins me here on one question on ESPN 1000. Emmett, you good, man? How you doing? 
I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, football season. I'm from Cleveland, and we love we love our pigskin out here. So it's a glorious time right now. And, and you're there watching your practice and having fun watching the Browns. I'm sure the the, the division champions. Yeah, you mean Super Bowl champions. <laughs> we can get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You know how we do this, Evan. I'm gonna ask you one question, and uh, are you ready for it, sir? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Okay, Emmett Golden. Here's your one question. The question I have for you is this: Who is who is the most difficult Cleveland sports athlete that you've dealt with in your career? Oh wow! Yeah, uh, that would be one Kyrie Irving. It would be <laughs> Kyrie, uh, um, and it, it really was just one incident. I've had a lot of uh, a good interaction with all the athletes um, around here, but I had one interaction with Kyrie Irving where I asked him um, what, what I thought was a good question. It was uh, he came out at halftime of a game really, really early, like before the halftime entertainment had got off the floor and he started putting up shots. And it was a, a game where Deion Waiters, former teammate of his, came back with the heat and had a really good first half. And I thought to myself, you know what, let me ask um, Kyrie about. He, you know, it's just him getting that early start. And in the locker room, I go, hey, Kyrie, uh, I know she got an early start on the second half. Uh, what motivated you to get out there so early? thought that was a good way to ask it. And he just simply answered it, I'm always the first one out. Okay, you know, I didn't push back because I never kept track uh, of that type of thing. Once everyone turned off the cameras and the recorders, he looked at me and said, what the blank is wrong with you? I said, huh? Excuse me? What <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, I'm the first one out every night. I'm the first one out every night. And I come, I try to calm him down, walk over. I said, I, I didn't say you weren't, Kyrie. I just was asking a question. Then he goes, how many games you've been to? I'm like, every game since your rookie year. I know you know who I am. <laughs> I talk to you at, I talk to you at shoot around, at practice, after every game for the last five years. I'm at every game. No, 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 you can't be at every game if you don't know that I'm the first one out every night. And he, you know, walks out the locker room cursing and just all mad. All the players are looking around like, what's going on? So, uh, Jonathan, I didn't catch track of um, if Kyrie Irving was the first person out every night. The very next game, he was like the sixth person out, like the eighth. So that is the, the toughest situation I ever had to deal with as far as covering an athlete in Cleveland. Most of the guys are really good and you know, you know, better than anyone else. As long as you ask good questions, you know, you, you should be okay uh, with athletes. But yeah, Kyrie Irving was not happy with my question about uh, coming out at halftime early. He wasn't the first, he was the sixth or seventh? Oh, I mean, he was, he was, no, he was like the sixth and then the third and then the seventh. And then, like, he, it was different. It was different every game. And that's what blew my mind. Like, he cursed me out. Like, it was gospel that he was always the first one out. And at the time, I didn't, I had never, like, I didn't keep track of that. So I wasn't going to challenge him on it. I took him for it. Like, as far as I was concerned, it was over. I asked the question, he answered it, but it stuck with him. He was, <laughs> he was like, adamant. I'm the first one out every night. And then 
then it was a running joke uh, every time everyone in the media started paying attention when he came out. And I would get offered. It started at $50, then it went to 100 I think $300 was the highest it got. People would uh, ask me to ask him, so you were the seventh person out. Um, <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. But it became a running joke uh, here amongst the people that cover the Cavs in Cleveland. That is hilarious. And that, my friends, is one question. Summer of football next. Hey, yo, Jay Hood, talk that barbershop talk, dude.